This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today I'm joined by Jeff Halley in Asia Pacific. Good morning from London, Jeff. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. And good afternoon from my wet and rainy Asia. Let's get the latest from the markets first, Jeff. Those figures from China, those latest GDP figures have had a bit of an effect. Yeah, definitely. The market's been dominated by that data today, and it's probably the most important data releases in Asia this week. It's very much got a second tier look at it, uh, the calendar this week. And in fact, that's almost a global phenomenon. Uh, China GDP growth year on year for Q4 came in at 4.9%. Uh, that was well below 5.2% and a long way below last uh, month's or last quarter's 7.9% uh, year on year. So definitely worries there that this combination of energy squeezes, weather disruption, supply chain, material costs, uh, etc., cetera, etc., all of this, plus also President Xi's ongoing shared prosperity clampdown on a number of different sectors of uh, China's uh, business uh, sphere are all starting to have an impact now, uh, and that's led to lower stock markets in China itself, but it has also flowed through to uh, lower uh, US uh, index futures and also an easing of gains uh, across the rest of Asia. You mentioned higher material costs and you have to look no further than the latest rises in the price of oil. I know that Hong Kong coal futures are up as well. This is uh, becoming a domino effect when we consider it all started with gas and those uh, energy numbers. Yeah, they're all interchangeable in the in the way that when they one moves to a certain price level, uh, oil and gas, when gas goes to a certain price level, uh, oil becomes an economically feasible substitute in the generation of electricity and heating. Ditto for, for coal as well. Coal is perhaps more complex because India is also suffering energy shortages in northern India as well. Uh, and obviously the headlines have been dominated by China telling large uh, electricity consumers, these heavy industries, to cut back on output uh, and their electricity use. We've not got to the northern hemisphere winter yet. Obviously coal itself and use and also natural gas are used for heating. So a cold winter in the Northern Hemisphere is going to make this whole problem um, even even more so. Now, looking at the British newspapers over the weekend, Jeff, plenty of rumours of a sooner rather than later rise in interest rates here in the UK with murmurs that the Bank of England will raise rates when it makes that decision in two and a half weeks' time. Yes, we saw the Bank of England Governor Bailey actually saying over the weekend that they would have to respond to medium-term inflationary pressures. Now, Mr Bailey is saying that there is a lot of transitory inflation, and we've touched on this one before in the cast, uh, but what he is also saying is that there are medium-term pressures starting to show and that they would need to respond. Now, Sterling has had a pretty stellar rally over the last couple of weeks on the basis that a rate hike was going to looking increasingly likely to occur sooner rather than later. Now, when you take these comments and context that were released over the weekend, 
the Bank of England's uh, next policy meeting in early November becomes a live one, and that is going to support sterling over the next couple of weeks. We can see that in the way it's risen against the dollar, but most especially we can see that sterling has rallied substantially against the euro, where rates are going nowhere in a hurry. And these sorts of interest rate differential forces are going to make themselves very, very noticeable in the foreign exchange market in Q4, particularly if the Fed taper gets underway in November. And the actual base rate will be what, do you think, when it comes to that decision in early November? I think it'll be a 25 basis point hike. They're not going to go crazy. They'll do. They'll be testing the, the testing the water. Uh, if anything, if any if any developed market bank was going to be hiking a half a percent, it's going to be New Zealand, uh, where uh, inflation hit 10 year highs uh, when that data was released this morning. Uh, and, and and definitely the next policy meeting from the RBNZ is a live one, and they could go half a percent. But certainly the Bank of England's going to go slowly, slowly. I want to talk to you about Bitcoin, which soared to around $61,000 on Sunday. And a Bitcoin futures exchange traded fund is set to launch this week and is indeed making the crypto industry very excited. Yes, this whole narrative about uh, Bitcoin and cryptos going mainstream, this is bread and butter for that uh for, the, for, those, uh, for those of them uh, standing on the sidelines beating the Bitcoin drum in this respect. The uh, story started circulating last Friday that the US Securities and Exchange Commission would approve two Bitcoin futures ETFs. So futures are a regulated market. So even if it's a Bitcoin future, it's a regulated market. Therefore, you can have an ETF on a, on a, on a commodity or an instrument that is regulated, so to speak. So... The SEC hasn't actually announced that uh, decision as yet, and if they choose not to go ahead with that, I would imagine that Bitcoin's in for, uh, you know, probably losing about $10,000 in, in, in price. But if it does actually announce it this week, and that could be today, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, then we're almost certainly going to see another leg up in, in Bitcoin. Now, uh, long-term uh, listeners may realise that um, or may know I'm a little bit of a crypto sceptic, but I do respect the price action and the fact that it has become a tradable, if not an investable, uh, asset class. And looking at the charts, a break of 65000 does actually signal uh, a move that could extend as far as $80,000. And if the SEC does come through in the US to approve these two ETF uh, funds, uh, that could be the catalyst for it. Indeed. And we're expecting that announcement uh, in the next two or three days or so. What else should we look out for in the next uh, week as far as the big market stories are concerned? I think it's going to be this inflation story again. And uh, it's also going to be a slowdown in China. This GDP number will have um, spooked uh, quite a few uh, investors. As far as data goes this week, it's actually a pretty quiet week, particularly in Asia but certainly in the US, we have industrial production this evening, but really we don't have any really juicy data coming out from Europe or from the US until Friday when a series of purchasing managers indexes for services and manufacturing are released across the Eurozone heavyweights and of course the United States as well. And that will, if those come in, particularly if the manufacturing PMIs rise substantially. You'd have to look at that and see whether that's being driven 
by price increases. And if so, I think this inflation story will get another leg, uh, another leg up again. Uh, that's probably going to be beneficial for the US dollar. It's going to be beneficial for US yields in that they're going to go up. And that could be a negative uh, towards the end of the week for equities because I do believe that these uh, interest moves in interest rates are going to start causing much more two-way volatility in equity markets going forward. It's no longer going to be the trade of 2020 where you just closed your eyes, bought anything, and you knew it was going to go up by about 10% uh, over the next couple of months, something like that. Okay, we'll talk again on Wednesday. I look forward to that. In the meantime, have a good day. And to you, take care. This is the Oanda Podcast.